It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 96, The Ark of the Covenant and the Spirit of Worship. Sometimes it's good to consider what biblical characters are sensing and thinking. After the death of Uzzah, David must have been freaking out. Josephus says that David feared the same for himself if he messed with the ark again, so he parked it at Obadidim's house. Seriously, if I was David, I would have been freaking out too. His heart was right and desired to honor God with a huge parade and worship and dancing. But instead, God cut someone down. Last episode, we talked about the reasons and the causes of this failure. But in this episode, we discuss what happens when David goes to get the ark the second time and the spiritual concept of worship. I can imagine David was awfully humbled and terrified. He was probably completely baffled on the treatment of God towards Uzzah. I can imagine all the silent treatment, frustration. Maybe he was just scared to talk to God for a while. Followed by a strong building up and then a crying out to God. Life goes on for David and he continues to build up his kingdom and works hard on projects and building campaigns. But deep inside, he has to have many, many unanswered questions as he starts to hear random reports of what's going on at Obadiah's house. Obadiah, who was a poor Levite, began to prosper and increase in all things that he did. Another week would go by and David would hear another report. Maybe another week and someone busted in the palace and told how Obadiah's tiny, I mean tiny, vineyard was rated the highest in the land. Another few days, maybe Abigail brought by some incredible olives and she gave them to the king. He tasted of them and remarked at their quality and asked where he, she found such olives. And her answer was Obadiah's house. And maybe it was just too much for him when he had foreign kings visit him only after they visited Obadiah's house first. Now David was probably more than perplexed. I imagine the Lord purposely doing these things and showing his favor on Obadiah's house to excite David to a holy jealousy. I can only imagine the questions that David had for God and the conversations he had with God, the priests, the worshipers, and advisors to the crown. Did we go back the second time for the ark? And if so, how? What did we do wrong the first time? David, a man of action, was probably extremely deliberate in his planning and consulted everyone possible to make sure he did it the right way this time. Here's the account, 2 Samuel 6:12. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obadiah and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obadiah to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. 
wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. All right, every six steps there was a sacrifice. This was not David's style, for he understood the New Testament concept that God requires the sacrifice of the heart devoted to him. But after the previous experience, David was not going to neglect any of the law. He didn't wear his kingly garbs that day either, but the linen garments of a commoner as he danced in front of the ark. When Michael says later he exposes himself, she was just remarking on his lack of dignity, not wearing the apparel of a king. The account continues, Second Samuel 6.16 6, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. So the definition of worship from the 1828 Webster Dictionary is the following. The act of paying divine honors to the supreme being, or the reverence and homage paid to him in religious exercises, consisting in adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. Amazing how here is David dancing like a commoner, unafraid of what others thought. He was so in love with God, he had no fear of what others thought. Amazing when you consider it was Saul who lost his place because of his fear of man. And here is David dancing and bringing in God's presence with his dance and praise and lack of any fear of man. A child of God dancing in a parade, leading in the presence of his father. All right, Michal, David's first wife, watches him from a window. She's the same one who David tore from her second husband at the end of the Civil War. We know their relationship was not going super well, but soon we'll see it get even worse. Second Samuel 6.17 They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of the Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. So what's interesting about these gifts is this. I've researched it. When the Bible is this specific, there's a reason. Dates and raisins are a sign of prosperity, but there's more. In some cultures, they are considered an aphrodisiac, and we will be able to date the golden age population boom of Israel to this point. For as he gave the men and women dates and raisins, he sent them home with the blessing. And in this case, the blessing was prosperity and multiplication. For sons and daughters will be born in the land in record numbers unheard of since the days in Egypt. Second Samuel 6.20 When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls and his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house, when he appointed me ruler of the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. 
but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So let's be a bit more clear here. Michal actually had five children with her second husband, but it appears either she received a spiritual curse from David or God, or he decided to remain married to her but not have sexual relations with her from this day forward. Pretty intense, huh? But there's a good number of hidden meanings here. Rewording David's response. You despise the intimacy I have with God? Then I will not allow myself to have intimacy with you. For today you show you do not love God, and you mocked my worship, which should have moved you to worship as well. You totally failed to see the power of this moment, and you still worship the idols of your father. For this reason, I cannot be unequally yoked with you. And we have to repeat David's priorities in life and the aggressiveness of his speech, for it is so awesome. I will become even more undignified than this. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's talk about the spiritual concept of worship as a telepersonal testimony. Our common understanding of worship today is this. The first part of a church service and the three hymns or songs that are sung. In some rare cases, this worship lasts for 30 minutes or some rare exceptions an hour or so. This is our common understanding of worship in church today. A typical church service has this designed to worship God and prepare hearts for the teaching and reading from the Word of God. So a bit of my background. I grew up Methodist, went to a Catholic high school, got saved in college through a Baptist ministry. We've experienced charismatic churches, and now we go to a Christ-centered, non-denominational church. So that's a pretty good variety. So we've seen a wide swath of the body of Christ in the varying church services. So about 12 years back, when God really got a hold of our lives, we visited a church and saw people raising their hands in worship for the first time. I made fun of them in my heart until later I listened to teachings based upon the worship of David in Psalms. In Psalms, David talks about dancing, raising your hands, shouting, clapping your hands, and crying out to God. This is biblical worship. With this teaching and being around more people who raise their hands or clapped, I desire to do something different. But I had no desire to do this in my flesh, and I was horribly afraid of what people thought. Sound familiar? To think God wants us to read from a hymn book or from some projected words on a church screen in the same monotone voice every single Sunday and never do anything but saying rigid and still, you gotta be crazy. Where's the heart in that? Regardless, I had no desire to raise my hands or step out that normal expected type of worship. It was uncomfortable. It was silly. Worship really wasn't my favorite part of church service. That was for sure. Here's another perspective of the Christian walk and our relationship with Jesus. I used to think my quiet time with God in the mornings, and it had to be the mornings, right? was supposed to be reading the Bible only. Oh sure, I might think about something I read or whisper some silent prayer, but I thought this was it. I found over the years that God wants us to study and read his word every day, but sometimes 
He desires us to have just fellowship with him. Just talk to him like a normal human being. Other times he desires us to pray for others and intercede for others. Other times he just wants our worship or praise to him. If God desires relationship, he desires a dynamic relationship full of excitement and variety with us. So back to the worship story. My heart was trembling because I did not want to raise my hands. Though in my heart I knew God desired me to raise my hands, for it was a sign of submission to him. It wasn't until we were at a church conference that I truly raised my hands. Knowing no one I knew could see me, the result was something I never expected. It was like God smiled at me and the fear of man was broken off of me. For from that day forward, I could care less what people thought of me during worship at church. Going forward, on that day, my heart was changed even further from one that cringed when it was time for worship to one who loves to worship God. And I can say with confidence, I will be more undignified than this. So this is where I challenge you as a listener. Stretch yourself. Worship God in a new way. Be like David. Be a man after God's heart and worship him. Pray about it. See what his leading is. Has God called you to worship and dance before him? Does he want you to cry out to him? Whatever is a stretch and is committed to him must be him. Has he called you to be undignified before him? If so, he wants to change your heart to become more like Christ. And sometimes, an act of faith in the direction of worship is just what he's asking for. So as he worship as the expression of our relationship with Jesus, I find worship is a good standing test of our relationship with Jesus. If my worship is dry and boring, could it be my relationship with Jesus is dry and boring? If my worship is stiff with the lack of freedom, could it be my relationship with Jesus is stiff? Is there something holding back my worship? Then maybe there is something holding me back in my relationship with God. In addition to the physical scene of the parade into Jerusalem, there must have been a spiritual, supernatural element with David. Of course, in Psalm 22, it says God inhabits the praise of his people. And we end with Psalm 100, for there seems to be no better place to drop this wonderful psalm. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we discuss the eternal promise of David. 
Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.